From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. A search for a man missing from a cruise ship in Juneau has been called off. Petty Officer 3rd Class Ian Gray is a spokesperson for the Coast Guard in Juneau. The Coast Guard suspended its search Tuesday for a 31-year-old male crew member who went overboard from a cruise ship Monday night. Coast Guard crews conducted over 10 hours of air and surface searches, which covered 38 nautical miles. The decision to suspend active searching is based on a number of factors, including weather, sea state, water temperature, and other variables. The Coast Guard's condolences go out to the family of the missing man during this difficult time. Watchstanders in the Coast Guard Sector Juno Command Center initiated search efforts Monday at 10.45 p.m., immediately following a notification from the cruise ship Eurodam's crew, who reported hearing shouting coming from the water. Accountability taken by the Cognix Dam crew revealed a crew member was missing. The cruise ship Connex Dam was getting underway in downtown Juneau when the Eurodam, which was moored in close vicinity, reported hearing shouting from the water. The Eurodam and Connex Dam have subsequently departed the port. Juneau Police Department and Capital City Fire and Rescue also participated in the search. According to Gray, the investigation into the incident is ongoing. Governor Mike Dunleavy has signed House Bill 363, establishing the Office of Broadband, creating the Broadband Parity Adjustment Fund, and establishing the Statewide Broadband Advisory Board. The bill, introduced by Representative Bryce Edgmond, carries out recommendations made by Governor Dunleavy's task force on broadband. The bill signing ceremony took place at the Alaska Broadband Summit Workshop yesterday. With the signing of this bill, we join uh, the future, and I agree with what everyone has said. This is going to be an absolute game changer for Alaska. It's, um, it's going to change everything from education to health care to um, law enforcement, economics, you name it. But again, it's an honor to be part of this. I want to thank all of you uh, in the audience that will make this happen. And with this signature, this bill now becomes law for the great state of Alaska. Thank you, folks. Earlier this year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture announced that $116 million has been awarded to Alaska to improve high-speed Internet access in rural communities. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan addressed the signing by Dunleavy, saying the bill would do this. To fully connect every part of Alaska, every village, every community to broadband and other Internet connectivity. And we have... That opportunity now, um, because uh, we have, with regard to different funding sources, infrastructure bill, but way beyond that, uh, an enormous source of federal funding over the next five years that will be focused on Alaska. So what we've been trying to do in this summit is bring together all the key stakeholders to make sure all of us are working together, cooperating pulling on one, the same oar, and um, getting everybody literally in the same room. The legislation allows Alaska to capture federal funds by establishing the state office of broadband within the Department of Commerce. The city and borough of Juneau Assembly held a committee of the whole meeting Monday evening. Items discussed were dock electrification, the Juneau Police Department, Capital City Fire and Rescue radio systems. Mayor Beth Weldon provided that update while a guest on the KINY Morning Show. She spoke to Doc Electrification. 
Carl, you could tell our report director did our, the presentation on that. We have two grants that we're actively applying for and waiting to hear from a $25 million, um, FY22 raise grant, uh, $25 million port infrastructure development program grant. So, um, hopefully we'll get one of those and we'll move along our way. And both of those will require us to do a match, but we'll see what happens with those. A new transformer for the South Franklin dock was also moved to the assembly. The committee also approved a project scope and schedule and requested preparation of a revenue bond for the project. New radios for Juno Police and CCFR may also be on the horizon. Chief Mercer talked about the police fire radio system. Um, it's a, Right now it's an analog system that was installed between the years 2006 and 2008 and its useful life is gone and they're having a hard time finding parts. Um, they currently have nine radio sites um, and we'd like to replace it with a digital and coordinate with the state's AL, ALMR system um, which will give us a 15 plus years of service life um, and then we would also have the coordinated um, so other agencies um, to coordinate easier when we have multi-agency incidents. Um, this will cost roughly $13 million. Hopefully that 1% will pass and they'll get some money to design that. In other matters, the city's Lands, Housing, and Economic Development Committee met on Monday. Of note on the committee's agenda was the acquisition of Telephone Hill from the state of Alaska to the city. Beth Weldon said the city wants to hold back on any evictions that may arise from the transfer in order to give renters time to find new housing. Dan Blydhorn is the CBJ Lands and Resources Manager. Since the city will be receiving this property as a grant or gift from the state, uh, city code states that we need to have a resolution adopted from the assembly to uh, set the terms and conditions of that sale. And so that's where we're at this evening. Uh, the DOT... Um, leases the buildings through the Telephone Hill Neighborhood Nonprofit uh, Management Corporation. And just to be clear, the property that we're looking at conveying here also includes the property that is the uh, downtown parking garage and the downtown transit center. So those are also owned by the state. And then also staff are working on appropriations ordinance that will come to Lands Committee at the next meeting. And that appropriations ordinance will put money into a Telephone Hill Redevelopment Capital Improvement Project. Committee member Foggy Dock, Barbara Blake, asked this of Blydhorn. In accordance with federal law, this is a requirement anyways, but as as we, we move this forward, that there's a full analysis of any toxins that have leached into this, this area to ensure that the state is upholding their obligation to clean those up and it doesn't become our obligation later down the road. Mr. Blydhorn, can you respond to that? Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Yeah, great question. I, you know, it's definitely a concern that we're taking seriously and continuing to work on. As far as responsibility goes, uh, some of that will have to be worked out, and I see the attorneys in the room as well, but that's definitely something we're going to consider, and um, I'll take that question uh, with me in the future and continue to work towards it. Committee member Wade Bryson said the Telephone Hill property is impressive given what can be developed there. I had the privilege to go up to Telephone Hill uh, last week. I drove kind of through the road that goes through it, and it is an amazing property. I can see why uh, uh, people that are starting to look at it and are starting to think of what the potential could be because it is a really neat piece of land. Blydhorn, Blake, and Bryson made their remarks during the CBJ Lands, Housing, and Economic Development Committee meeting. 
The Huna City Council held a special meeting Monday night to address the ongoing topic of Police Chief Eric Hurtado's employment contract in a recent work evaluation. Hurtado called the evaluation negative and declined to sign a new contract under its terms. The outcome of the meeting was the decision to form a committee comprising of Council Members Sean McConnell and Amelia Wilson, City Attorney Jim Sheehan, and Mayor Gerald Byers to come to a compromise and solution to a new contract for Hurtado. Council Member Sean McConnell suggested the formation of the committee. In typical performance evaluations, you have a criteria against which you are judged. I mean, as a teacher, I have that. As administrators in other divisions, you have something. So what my suggestion is, if we're going to try to sort this out, is that from this point going forward, that members of the council, the mayor and the administration, and the public safety director get together, and then by looking in our code and his public de- you know, Department of Public Safety Operations manual, come up with some sort of performance guide so that he knows what he's expected to do, other than just what we've got in code, and this is the scale on which we're going to judge you in the future. City Attorney Sheehan agreed with the idea of a committee and also said the city is working to achieve a new contract with the chief. And the chief responded to a question from the attorney. We're, we're trying to, you know, rectify the situation. Um, we really are here. I mean, we're trying to work with you to, you know, get a new contract. You know, you may not like your review, your employee review, you know, and, and it's sometimes it's hard um, to to, you know, get a play reviews that you don't like. It happens all the time. Um, and, and maybe, you know, um, Council Member Wilson is correct that, you know, there should be a new form that's used for employee evaluations. We will we will work on that. Um, you know, we've we've discussed a path forward here. We're, we're willing to sit down with you, the mayor, and two council members to negotiate a new contract for you. Do you want to do that? I want to serve Una. Sheehan also told the chief that the evaluation, as written, would be placed in his permanent employee file. Just to clarify, I just had a question on what you said. On the performance evaluation, is the evaluation that was prepared... Uh, by the mayor, the city administrator, yourself, the, the evaluation that would be a permanent record in my file at, as written. Um, the current evaluation? Proposed, yeah, or is that just a proposed evaluation? No, I mean, that that's, that's a permanent thing that's going to go in your file. No time or date for the special committee meeting has been set. Gubernatorial candidate Les Gara, along with Lieutenant Governor Candidate Jessica Cook, sat down for an interview last week with the Alaska Landmine. Gara pointed out his support for a woman's right to choose on reproductive rights and made a decision between his core beliefs and the actions of former Governor Bill Walker. I'm pro-choice. I believe in it strongly. Um, uh, Governor Walker is pro-life. He believes in it strongly. Um, And he wasn't able to overcome his own personal values. Um, you know, in that first campaign, he said he'd veto any anti-choice legislation and then came out later and said he couldn't, given his personal values. And he ran with a pro-choice governor, lieutenant governor's candidate at that time and still wasn't able to sort of uphold a woman's right to choose. So, um, so with that history, knowing that he made the same promises last time and wasn't able to hold them, he's making the promises this time. 
Whether he'll be able to hold them, he'll find out. Um, we'll all find out. You don't have to worry about whether I'm going to uphold my, my, my values. I don't have to vote against my values uh, to uphold a woman's right to choose. That Those are my values. Cook praised rate choice voting, which is how the 2022 election will be decided. Well, I'm very excited about the open primary. I was actually an undeclared voter for a long time because I didn't want to be pigeonholed into one particular party. Um, I wanted to vote my conscience. I wanted to vote for the candidate I thought would best align to my viewpoint or my vision of what Alaska could and should be. And when you, you know, register with one party or another, when we had the closed primaries, well, then I had to choose that ballot. So I'm excited about the open primary. Um, and the ranked choice, I don't have to worry about splitting the vote anymore. The audio comes courtesy of Jeff Landfield at the Alaska Land Mine. The city and borough of Sitka Assembly unanimously passed an ordinance on Tuesday to make a $600,000 appropriation for heat pump system repairs at Blatchley Middle School. In July, the Sitka School District told the borough about the need for potential heat pump replacement at the school after a catastrophic failure of the system. According to City Administrator John Leach, District concerns were supported by findings from a system diagnosis that was performed by outside contractors. A report was produced identifying the need to repair one of the five systems and to replace the remaining four systems. Leach told the Sitka Assembly that getting the new system in before winter was not a likely scenario. I'm 99% certain the answer is no. We, we even looked at reconnecting uh, interruptible so that up and running again and it's not an easy task so it's pretty intrusive to uh, to swap over. An estimate was provided by a contractor detailing costs associated with replacing all five systems at nearly $390,000. Costs estimates associated with purchasing, shipping, and installing a new heating system plus a 40% contingency add-on add up to $600,000, the amount approved by the Assembly. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said he hopes this issue will stimulate further communication between the city and the school district. I just hope that this um, kind of rude awakening, this awakening, um, gives us a chance to clarify our relationship with the school district regarding repairs and maintenance on buildings and how we can continue to work together in harmony um, and in a, in a way that reduces costs for both parties. All made their remarks during the Sitka Assembly meeting on Tuesday. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.